Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. Last week, we talked about the source of Elohim Nitzor from Tractate Brachot in the Talmud, and we said that it was one of 11 options of Rabbi so-and-so used to say the following personal prayer after his Amidah every day. This is the one by Mar, son of Ravina. I think that's who it was, um, a very late sage, and it was the last of the 11th. Today, we're actually going to take a look at the text of it. Elohim Nitzor is uh, the bottom paragraph of page 120 in the full Sim Shalom, and in the weekday Slim Shalom, it's page 44, the first paragraph. So we're going to take a look at it. We'll look, we'll understand. If we have time, and we'll, we'll try to understand, like, what are the core ideas? If we have time today, we'll take a look at the Sephardi uh, version of Elohai Nitzur, which has pretty much has what we have, but has more, because Sephardim sometimes add more. So Elohai, so we noticed right away, and we said this in the past, this is written in the, how is this a change from the Amidah? Everything in the Amidah is in the plural, this is in the singular. Singular. If it was plural, it would be Eloheinu, right? <clears throat> so Elohai means is grammatically Hebrew means my Elohim, as opposed to Eloheinu, which is our Elohim. Elohai Nitzor Lishoni Meira. Literally, well, I don't know. Literally, the usual English translation: guard my tongue from evil. It means help protect me from me speaking badly, okay? Which is a little bit like um, we talked about the paradox of asking God to help us with tshuva. Remember that when we talked about the tshuva blessing, which was the, uh, I can't remember, I think that's number five, right? And we said, oh, that's a little paradoxical. Tshuva is entirely up to me to do. It's internal. What does it mean to actually ask God to help me do tshuva, right? So we're talking about me speaking evil, English translation lies, which is not exactly what it means. It just sort of means, you know, <coughs> help me not do lishon hara, evil speech. Usfatai midaber mirma. That's not midaber speaking for Hebrew nerds. It's me daber from speaking. So nitzor is the verb that governs both halves. In other words, this sentence means nitzor lishonime ra, guard my tongue from doing lashon hara, unitzor sfatai mi daber mirma, and guard or protect, ward off my lips from speaking falsehood. Oh, that's the one that's translated lies. Right, mirma means falsehood, devious falsehood. Okay, so we have a parallel between uh, lashon and svatayim, my tongue and my lips, and we have a parallel between ra and mirma. Hi, Bernie. Boker tov. Bernie, who's now a year older, we're talking about Elohainetzor, page 44 or page 120. Uh, he's connecting. Bernie, give me a holler when you're there. All right, he's connecting. Anyway, um, so 
first line, which is in two halves, we're asking God to help us not do something bad. I don't want to speak bad. Help me not speak bad today. Vilim kalalai nafshi tidom. And to those who curse me, may myself be silent. Okay. This now gives us a hint as why I might be speaking bad. Why might I be speaking bad? Because I might have people who don't like me, who uh, curse me. So perhaps my natural reaction would be to lash out at them and say something regrettable. So I'm asking Hashem to help me not do that. So it's not, hey, I'm a blabbermouth Lashon Hara doer all the time. Please help me with that. But rather, it seems to suggest that in the midst of interpersonal things, interpersonal conflicts where I might do Lashon Hara or my lips might speak deviously or lies or falsehoods, why would that happen? Because people are attacking me. Help me be silent, not respond to their attacks. And may myself uh, be like dust to all. What's dust imply? It's uh, trampled and humility. Right? So this basically says, when people attack me, may I be silent and humble. Humble and silent. Um, Does that mean abject and be a doormat? Or does it mean... Just ignore them and don't let it get to you, right? So I think the question is, psycholo- one question I want to raise is, psychologically, what would that be like? So help me not get involved in this back and forth and be a Lashon HaRadur. Rather, I'm inserting in parentheses or brackets, rather, uh, open my heart to your Torah and may myself chase after your mitzvot, Torah and mitzvot, always the parallel. So how do we get to Torah and mitzvot? Why is that there? I just want to raise that question, right? Hold on to it. But, you know, we're talking about interpersonal. I don't want to get into back and forth with people when they attack me. And then I'm saying, May I cleave to Torah and mitzvot? May I be open, may by my mind be open to Torah and may myself chase mitzvot. So mitzvot is something you chase, which is active. It's something you want to do. And Torah is something for that you open your mind to. It's more a mental, emotional thing. The all those who think evil against me, Quickly, God, may you confound their stratagems and ruin their plans, more or less. Notice there's a pun here, those who curse me, right? And they sound like they're the same word, they're not. One is from the root kalal, which means to curse, and one is from the root kalkal, which means to lekalkel, which means to ruin. Those roots may be connected to each other because there are other words that are word pairs that are like that that are 
that are related, but they're not the same root. So it's a pun, right? They curse me. They are Mikalel. I want God to be Mikalkel, to foil their stratagems, the negative stuff that they're plotting against me. So in other words, I want to be humble and silent in the face of these attacks. I'm asking God to frustrate them. So it's not that I'm a doormat and I don't mind that people beat me up, but Hashem, will you please foil them? And then we have a change. That's pretty much the, I'm going to say request, the, um, the fancy word for when you go before a king and you have a request, the, I don't know. Petition. Petition, thank you. That's the petition. Why should you do this? Why should God do this? Which obviously sounds like some sort of formula, right? Um, I never really delved into this line too much. I'm sure there are commentators who do. Do this, God, for the sake of your name or reputation. Do it for the sake of your right arm. Right arm represents what aspect of God? Power. Power. Where do we know that from? Where in the davening have we said God's right arm anywhere? It's the most prominent place that it comes from. Az Yashir. Az Yashir. God took us out of Egypt with God's right arm. In anthropomorphism, it just represents power. For those of us who are lefties, yet another example of Judaism's Judaism's rampant dextrism, prejudice (laughs) towards the right, right right-handers. So do this for the sake of your name or reputation. Do this for the sake of your power. Do this for the sake of your holiness. Do this for the sake of your Torah. So maybe there's some implication here because I'm a student of Torah and I ally myself with God. Maybe this is a sequence. If, in fact, when people are trash talking about me and plotting against me, God defends me, this is a way of God defending godliness. Maybe that's the connection. Um, so that your, in modern Hebrew, friends, your, your, the people who closely associate themselves with you, which means us, but notice now that's in the plural, not in the singular, so that those who associate themselves with you or your beloved ones or your dependents, E-N-T-S, your dependents, will be released, will be free, okay? So rather than bad people trying to do things to me when they want to do that, God, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be silent. You stick up for me so that those who are your yididim, your loyal ones, will be released or free. Oshia yemincha va'aneni. May your right hand save and may you answer me or may you Answer, answer me by having your right hand save, your power save me. Um, by the way, this so far remi- might remind you a little bit of what other resonances of things in the Siddur that we've said already. It's not a totally new theme. So I'm thinking of a couple of resonances. One is the, the blessing about <clears throat> the Malshinim, the heretics, Although that's communal, that's the heretics tear them down. 
but I think it's a little bit of a throwback thematically to at the end of Birchot HaShachar, at the end of Blessings, and we have the long paragraph. We say, have, have, a, have a good day. And then the next paragraph, Hashem, protect us from bad neighbor and bad friend. And uh, it's basically, again, about people who are going to try to tangle with me during the course of the day. <coughs> Take a look at page seven in the slim. Let's just look back at it, which is page 12 in the sim. And notice, Hashem Elohai Velohei Avotai. Again, it's in the singular. If you look at the blessing before, at the end of Rechot HaShachar, it's Hiratzon Elofanech Hashem Elokeinu Velohei Avoteinu, Shetargileinu B'Torotach Avdabkeinu B'Mitzotach. Have us be familiar, us be familiar with Torah and Mitzvot. This Yihiratzon, let's call it the quote-unquote second one, is in the singular. And it says, please protect me today, God, from today and every day from people who are bold and arrogant and wicked and a bad neighbor and a bad friend and, a, and bad things that can happen. Help protect me from bad people who are trying to do bad to me. That's the thought behind that. Okay? And back to Elohai Natsur. So it's similar, singular. By the way, it's interesting that that's in Birchot HaShachar, and this is at the end of the Amidah. They may represent some sort of bookends of the davening. That with all this communal stuff, you know, we quoted Psalms, which were written by King David, and we talked about the God of the universe, and you gave us the Torah, and our commitment to God in the Shema, and you took us out of Egypt, and all the Amidah stuff. Now here's a very personal petition. You know, by the way, it's a Hobbesian view of the world, not as in as in Thomas Hobbes, not as in Calvin and Hobbes. I always have to say that, right? All right. So the world is a rough place out there. Um, and there are going to be people who try to tangle with me and tear me down. Hashem, help me today. Be humble and not talk back in an inappropriate way. And you defend me. That's what I'm asking for. You protect me and do it for your own sake because I am on the Hashem team. I am on one of your Yididim. Okay? I am one of your Yididim. And then in all versions, always risky to say that, in all versions of the Amidah and the Elohai Netzor, and even if there is no Elohai Netzor, we conclude with, by quoting a verse, May all of the utterances of my mouth, notice again, that is singular. They picked a verse, which I assume is from Psalms. Um, They picked a verse that was singular. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of thy heart, my heart be acceptable to you, O God, or something. There's a song version of it. Hashem Tzuri Vigali, Hashem who is my rock and my redeemer. Fancy English translation for my stronghold and my protector. Okay. So all the words, which could be, of course, the words of Elohai Nitzor, or it could be all the words of the Amidah, right? Doesn't specify all the utterances of my lips. Um, may they be, may you be acceptable 
Ritze, back to Ritze, the blessing Ritze, it means receive them favorably, be favorably disposed to them. That's what Ritze means. Ritze is when you offer a sacrifice or offer uh, a, a sacrifice to a, a superior like a ruler. Um, I think uh, in this week's Parsha, Vayishlach, that's what Yaakov asked Esau to accept his um, gifts. Ritze is when you accept the gifts of your subordinate graciously and smilingly, which implies, yes, I grant your uh, request, as opposed to, you know, I don't know, I'm going to think about that, maybe. Okay, so that's what Ritze means. It means to accept for a, a superior, a god, a king, some other sort of superior, to accept your petition favorably. Uh, there's a legal term for that. I don't remember. I'll look on that favorably, something like that. Um, so Hashem, all the utterances of my mouth, may you look and, and the meditations of my heart, may you look on them favorably. Hashem, my stronghold and protector. Notice also, by the way, mouth here, the way mouth is at the beginning and the end of the paragraph, right? So I'm not going to talk bad talking back to them. I kept silent. What are the things that I say? The things that I say are my supplications that I brought before you, God. Please respond favorably to them. Rather than me using my mouth to talk back to people who are trash talking me, to me, I'm using my mouth to um, to, to supplicate before you. Look favorably upon that. Um, we're, hold on a second. We're not going to get to when you take steps back. We'll talk about that later, maybe not today, when we talk about choreography. And then we have another verse. I seem to remember reading in a commentary, I believe this is what's called a synthetic verse, which means it reads like it's from a verse in the Bible, but there is no such verse in the Bible. It's actually put together from a couple of different verses in a couple of different places. May the one who makes peace in the heavens make peace on us and on all Israel and let us say amen. And that is clearly kind of a separate closing thought. You can say, well, if people don't talk bad to each other, that would be an example of peace. So you can sort of make it be connected, but it's another verse, synthetic verse from another location, right? So we close Elohim so you can look at Elohim Tzor this way. Hashem, do these things for me. Do this for your own sake, so that those who are loyal to you will be saved. Period. Another thought. All my supplications, may you accept them favorably. Period. Another thought. The one who makes peace in heavens may make peace on earth among us and all Israel. And what I say, okay, that's kind of the structure of Elohim Tzor. Larry. First of all, I just simply wanted to, I know you know this, the you the um the the um Yul Ratzon Merifi comes from Psalm nineteen. We say it's the Lamseach Mizwala David Hashamaim Supreme Kavod El that we say every Shabbat. I didn't remember it. thank you. I didn't remember off the top of my head where it was from. I knew it was from a Psalm. Yep. And I just wanted to, my own comment, which maybe you can respond to. It always seemed to me that that was the appropriate line to end the Amida with, and everything else was extra addition, extraneous. I didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. It seems if we, if we only recited that one verse, 
that, that says what we want to say at the end of the Amidah. Please accept this prayer. Bye-bye. Um, so because I prepared Elohim Tzor two or three weeks ago, and not last night, I have already forgotten the source of what I'm going to quote. But there are sources that say that, that are not as halachically strict about Elohim Tzor, who's, that there are sources that say, and at the end of your Amidah you say, Right. So sort of fulfilling that thought. And then Elohim Tzor is kind of what um, is the individual prayer, one of the 11 Rahot, that ends up getting stuck onto the beginning of the closing of the Amidah. So another way of saying that is it looks the way it's printed in our Sidurim as if it's part of Elohim Tzor, but it's not actually really originally part of Elohim Tzor, nor is Oseh Shalom Bimramav, for that matter. And Oseh Shalom Bimramav is not part of Yul Ratzonim Refi. By the way, Larry, many people, scholars, look at Psalm 19. You say this is an appropriate closing for um, the Amida. There are a lot of Bible scholars who look at it in Psalm 19 and say, it doesn't seem like a very pr- appropriate closing for Psalm 19, which is generally not about supplications. And there's a lot of scholarship on Psalm 19 and how it's put together. Um, you can uh, email me offline if you want. I'll refer you to a shiur by Rav Shai held of Yeshivat Hadar on Psalm 19, which looks at Psalm 19 and all its intricacies, which raises the question, as many Bible scholars do, hey, this sentence, this line seems like it's sort of tacked on to the end of Psalm 19. It doesn't actually flow from what Psalm 19 seems to be about. Okay, Um, so a very appropriate place here. And originally, it's at the end of the Amidah. One adds, and then Elohim Netzor is stuck in as the individual prayer, and that makes it look like it's part of one paragraph, but that is an illusion. And and you, by the way, depending on what sidur you own, you might have a sidur where it's actually printed separately, and Oseh Shalom Bimromav might also be printed separately, because that printer may want to cue you into the fact that they're not really part of the Elohim Netzor paragraph. Michael O, you have a hand up. Yeah, you know, I've, I I think it's interesting. I appreciate what Larry said. Uh, in the art scroll, it has a little thing before Elohai Itzor that says, I pray that having completed my Amidah, that I have uh, been changed in a positive way, especially with regard to my interpersonal relation. I like that, which is a it seems really way of saying yes. that Elohai Itzor, yeah. Good, nice. Sorry, that's in the art scroll. Yes. As a, is it part of the translation or? Well, like in the that? in the transliterated art scroll. Yeah. The one for dummies like me. Yeah. They uh, they put little things above all each prayer. Right. You know? So in other words, this prayer. I don't think it's in the regular art scroll. Got it. Yeah, right. you know, but then the right. one that's transliterated it has. Okay. Interesting. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, because what that is responding to, um, that thought in the art scroll, is the question that, you know, the big question, which is, why did they pick Elohim at Sor? Why should that be the closing of the Amidah? 
you know, is that an appropriate closer? You know, we, we looked at other, other options that they had, or even if we said, okay, someone picked it, the group mine picked it 12 or 1300 years ago, that that was going to be the closing of the Amidah. We don't know why they picked it, but does it fit as the closing of the Amidah? And how does it fit? Um, spiritually, psychologically, psycho-spiritually, right? What's supposed to happen to me? Is is there something that's supposed to happen to me during the Amidah? Is the Amidah supposed to do something for me in terms of my personal spiritual life? And does Elohainetzor somehow reflect that? So that comment in our scroll is a nice way of putting that together, that but if I daven with the fullness of intention, then I hope I emerge from the Amidah as a different person than the one who went into the Amidah. Different how, in this case, it's not more holy or more Torah study or doing more mitzvot. It's in my way in which I interact with people in the world, may I be a different person. I well, I think it also says it, it's, uh, I mean, Obviously, God uh, may have some suspicions of man that uh, they tend to not act with humility and as though they are like dust. And if you let yourself hear like your ears are like funnels and, you know, take a step back, you create the atmosphere for the world to be a better place, I guess. Good. 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 Other thoughts along those lines about, uh, we'll take a few more minutes, just sort of. Why Elohainetzor? Why did they pick that one? How does it function? I think the comment in that art scroll is, was a, is a nice way of sorting it out. Jeff? Uh, I, I was also wondering, like, why this? Out of all things, if you were to take a survey of what, you know, you would pray for, I don't think this would be close to the top. But, but it's interesting that this was chosen. Yeah. Um, I might have picked Rav's prayer, the one we see on Rosh Chodesh. And in fact, yesterday when I was researching a couple of other Sidurim to bring you, which I don't have time for today, I'll do that next week, God willing. Um, will we meet next week? Yeah, it's Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. We'll meet. Um, we'll plan to meet. Um, there is, I actually came across some version of the Sidur. I can't remember if it was some Hasidic one or something, where it says in parentheses, and some people add... And then it actually has Rav's prayer for the new month that we say on Shabbat mornings once a month. Uh, may we have a Chaim Shal Tova, Chaim Shal Bracha, Chaim Shal Parnasa, Chaim Shal Chilut Satsamot. So someone thought that would be an appropriate prayer. They didn't drop the Elohai Netzor because they couldn't. So they added in that one. Because right. maybe they felt, you know, this is, the, this is not the one of the 11 that I would have picked as the summary for all my personal supplications before God. Other thoughts about Elohainetzor, why this one, why it's here, how it functions at the end of the Amidah, Michael Harris? Yes, I'm not sure that, that we need to have it be a summary of what we've already done. Uh-huh. The whole idea of it was that it was supplemental, not not just a, a recap. At yes. least I thought that was the case. Yes. Well, so I'm not, saying, I'm not asking why is it a recap. I'm just say. saying, how is it a capper? It doesn't have to be a recap, but it has to be a cap. I, I, I miss what you're saying. Sorry. It doesn't have to be a recap, but it should be a cap. So I'm asking the question of how does this work as a cap? Hmm. But you had a thought. Go on. 
No, it wasn't. It wasn't so much that. It was that that it it was intended to be an individual uh, expression, and therefore, I don't think you can expect it to be uh, necessarily a, a cap or any kind of an ending, because it, you know, it, it, from day to day, it could change. It so, it, yep. In other words, you're saying that. Um, for a variety of, we, we don't know why someone selected this as the one of the 11 to do every day. Um, but given that it's supposed to be, hey, at the end of the statutory Amidah, which is the same day to day, add, which we say in the plural, which the whole congregation says, add something personal of your own supplication. By definition, there's no reason to assume that that's something personal has to really be based on whatever was said before in the Amidah. Is that a fair way to put it, Michael? Yes. Right. So it's kind of, in some sense, that that understanding of it is the opposite of um, Michael Ozier's comment from the art scroll. The art scroll actually tries to have it make sense. Now that I've said the Amidah, may I go out into the world interpersonally being a changed person, right? Which is sort of totally the opposite strategy of like, no, no, no. We covered all the stuff you have to cover. Now it's your chance to cover what you want to cover, which may be totally unrelated to when, what went before. Uh, not only that, uh, as I, I uh, hypothesized last week that, that it is one of only two that were in the singular, and it seems that if it's supposed to be personal, the singular makes more sense than, than plural. Yes, that's why it's in the singular. Larry. This is, I think, something we, you covered maybe last week a little bit, but it's always struck me as peculiar <clears throat> that here we're given this personal prayer that we can add, as and, and it's an example of what we can add. And I've heard many um, lessons on it. I think I mentioned I heard one by David Golinkin years ago, and our own Rabbi Schatz talked about it not too long ago, Barry Oppenheim drashed on it in the Library of Minion. Everybody says the same thing. This is your time to add other things, and yet as a matter of what we do, almost everybody, and certainly the Orthodox, insist, but you also have to add this. So yeah. this is like an example of what we should do, but do this, and then if you do something else, that's okay. And I'll just add as a, I've sort of forced myself so that at least once a week, I don't do Elohim Sor, and I do my own thing. Uh-huh. Um, once a week, but I will admit, it's much easier just to do this one, and then you take the steps back, which is kind of leaving the presence of uh-huh. of, of the, the king, of the holy one, the king. Uh-huh. Um, and nobody says to you, if you do your own prayer, take three steps back anyways. Uh-huh. Got it. So um, I was at a, I listened to a shiur online this week. I don't remember exactly. I listened to a couple. Well, this week, it's only Tuesday. Anyway, um, where there's a comment made that a lot of things that we experienced about the Sidur were, I'm going to put this now in air quotes because I'm putting it in my own language, ruined by printing. Because once there's a printing press, by the way, prior to printing, people don't even own their own copy of the Sidur because when everything is manuscript, manuscripts are really expensive. You either know the davening and know how to daven, or you listen to the Shliach Sidur and you say, Amen. People do not have individual copies of Sidurim, with rare exceptions, if you were a rich person and you owned a manuscript. 
Okay. So printing makes it available to everyone in front of them. And it then becomes fixed because it's printed. And that makes people feel like this is the thing you are supposed to say because it's printed. So printed makes it authoritative, by the way. And <clears throat> and many of the Sidorim were printed without instructions. So they tend not to say, I don't think I've ever seen, I don't know, there could be a Sidor that says, for the rest of the Amidah, these are the words you must say, and you may insert your own individual petition in the middle of any one of the 13 middle brachot. And then after Oseh Shalom, one should insert one's individual prayer here, of which an example could be Elohai Nator Mira. So printing is what freezes a lot of the creativity of Sidurim. It doesn't mean that there was infinitely malleable creativity before. If the Chazan felt like just making 14 intermediate petitionary brachot instead of 13, the Chazan is not allowed to do that, nor are you as the individual prayer allowed to do that. If you want to change the first three brachot or the last three brachot, you can't do that. So there was halacha that specified a lot, okay? Um, but um, there was probably other things that remained more open and more flexible that got more fixed with the printing press. Okay, I'm going to call time. It's five to nine. Thank you. So uh, everyone continue to mull this over, including our listener in China. We have a listener in China. Did you know that? There's someone who died. I looked at the pie chart. As far as I can tell from the pie chart, it's probably one person in China. Um, so to our friend in China, whoever you are, we hope you enjoyed this class. What I think we'll try to do next week is I want, we'll talk about the choreography with the steps and the bowing, and I'll try to bring in uh, at least one other Elohai Nitzur version with other additions that um, seem interesting to me, particularly it's the Sephardi Sidur. Okay, so that's what we'll plan on doing next week. And then because we voted in weeks after, we'll start looking at the middle part of the Amidah for Shabbat and the middle part of the Amidah for Yom Tov, just for comparison. That will require people, though, to have, you know, this, the slim, which is for weekdays. You're going to have to have either the complete one, Sim Shalom, or the slim for Shabbat and festivals to be able to do that. But that's going to be in, I was going to say December, but I think it's going to be November 30th. Okay. Everyone have a good day. Thank you for joining us. Be well, be healthy. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.